Canuck Central, it is Dan Richo in the Kintec studio. Satyar Shah taking a uh, maintenance day today. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. If you missed the first hour of the show, talked about a full scorched earth rebuild would be a defeatist mentality by the Canucks. You have Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes. You don't need to trade everything. You find a way to build a decent team around those two players. It's been a failure in how they've gone about doing that to this point. But that shouldn't mean they can't do it through the primes of their careers. You do have to nail everything, though. From, like, here on out, you you have to nail the Horvat trade. You got to nail the Horvat trade. You got to get a lot of wins. You got to find some um, free agents that hit big for you. They've done that so far, like, to be honest. If you're being fair about it, what they've acquired this year, uh, Curtis Lazar doesn't look to be uh, much more than just the fourth liner that he's been through his career, but they're only paying him a million bucks. So that's maybe the one L. Uh, Riley Stillman. Uh, I know there's uh, one text <laughs> that thinks the trade is horrendous. Uh, it wasn't a great, great trade because... It wasn't about Riley Stillman. It was about moving Dickinson's money. Dickinson, a player that they did not acquire, but they had to move some of that money. Maybe shouldn't have never had to move that money because they didn't need to go out and get Ilya Mikheyev and all those different types of things that they did over the summer, but sell Evie. That's That's what happened. That's what they did. It was a bit of a misjudge on like how the market would, the trade market, they thought they were going to be able to trade Besser or Garland, yeah. realistically. And any other year, they probably would have been able to. But yep. I, it's still a mistake on them. The other thing it did, though, the Stillman-Dickinson thing, was open up room for Bear. Yes. With the, they had been linked to for a while. It allowed them to open up the full amount of LTIR space so that they could go out and acquire Ethan Bear from the Carolina Hurricanes. And so now, like, those are the two moves that I haven't really liked. Travis Dermott, it's been a mess with the injuries, but I think Dermott's a fine add to this team, especially when they are in need of defensemen. Raise the floor of your third pair when you've had real difficulty or it's real difficult to go out and add top four defensemen, especially when you've already invested about as much money into your defense as almost any other team in the league. That's where Ethan Bear comes in as well. I like both Dermott and Bear. Both positive ads for this team. Do they have top four potential? Maybe not at the high end, but they could play top four minutes for this team in certain situations. Like Bear has fit well next to Quinn Hughes for the most part. I think actually when he has played with OEL, that's the best we've seen OEL at any point this year. So there's some real positives to the Ethan Bear addition to this team. I really like it. Like Travis Dermott as a player, hasn't worked out because of the injuries. Really like Ilya Mikheyev and what he brings to this team. Hard not to love everything Andre Kuzmenko has done for this team. That's not only a huge win in terms of an acquisition, but also being able to sell to proposed free agents what you're able to do here in Vancouver. The other one is Jack Stadnika, right? And look, at the end of the day, yes, he's probably just a guy, but there's a player there. 
So one of the things about the previous regime and why it failed for them going this route with the retool is because they targeted Lyndon Vay, you know, with a second-round pick. Don't besmirch my guy, Lyndon Vay. Uh, they went and traded a huge package for Brandon Sutter. They traded a first and Jared McCann for Erica Branson. They traded all of the things that they traded for OEL and Connor Garland. And some of those mistakes, this management group is now having to live with. But if you target the right players, better players, could be a lot different. Especially when you have the real high end of your roster already in place. That's why retooling when retooling makes sense when you have a core like this. If, if you can execute it properly. And the first step to executing it properly is having good pro scouting. And from what we've seen so far of Rutherford, Alvin, and and everyone else in the management group, it does seem like they're targeting the right kind of players. And the guys, like, I, I really like the bear trade. Yeah. Um, like, you're taking advantage of a team that doesn't have a use for someone who has shown upside. I like the upside in, bear, or in Dermot. You have to find guys like that who – have some upside and you hope you can be the team to unlock it especially when you're trading to your point like the cost for these players aren't isn't high mm-hmm. like we saw Benning give up for Lyndon Vay or even Sven Berchi other players like it, it's not these aren't very risky moves the other part of it though is you have to be able to get those draft picks that you trade back as well if you want to keep having players come into your systems and that's the other aspect like I do want to see them capitalize on situations like they have been with Baron Dermott but I also want to see them accumulate draft picks and it doesn't have to be first rounders or second rounders but third rounders thirds fourths fifths that give you extra dart throws that you Mm -hmm. can use at the draft and hope one of those pan out Uh, a lot of draft capital tends to help in uh, you know adding serious prospects to your pool people don't love the idea of reclamation projects and when you pose it like that you're not going to love reclamation projects (laughs) doesn't sound very nice sounds like a lot of work there's a player out there right now that i really like Jesse Pugliarvi. The Edmonton Oilers are bringing back Evander Kane off LTIR. Jesse Pugliarvi is going to be a healthy scratch. At least that's what I heard earlier in the day. And I think that's a player that... Does he have Val Nachushkin-type potential? I think that's the the pie-in-the-sky view. That's the ultimate ceiling for Jesse Pugliarvi. But at the end of the day, I don't think this Canucks team needs another winger. So that's not the type of reclamation project I think makes a ton of sense for Vancouver. But there are others around the league. And you look at all of the top teams, they've all found some of them. The Boston Bruins, a name that was linked to Vancouver, Pavel Zaka. Remember? And everybody's like, oh, that that doesn't sound good. Pavel Zaka's terrible. Now the Bruins have just extended him (laughs) because he's been so good for them. There are players around the league in that early 20s range that can be real helpful ads to your team. It's on the management group to identify the right ones. And that's the difficult part. That this organization, this management group has not yet done, and the previous management group 
missed on a ton. Uh, all right, let's bring in our next guest. He is the triple threat on radio, on television, digitally at sportsnet.ca. It's Ian McIntyre. What's up, iMac? Not too much. A lot of uncomfortable memories, though, of those failed uh, Jim Benning, John Weisbrod, I guess Trevor Linden, too, until 2018, guys, yeah. when Rutherford talked about guys who didn't work out on their first contract, or on their ELCs. I wish he had phrased it differently. Yes. Because I think they're looking for some of those wild cards, for sure. But I also know that they're actually looking for good young players. Like, not guys who are hope bets, but guys who, are, who have already shown that can, they can play in this league and have a lot of room to get better. And that would be the kind of player or players that they'd be looking for in if they trade a significant asset like Bo Horvat. Like they're not taking, they're not trading Bo Horvat for hope bets yeah. on from some team whose young guys haven't worked out on their ELCs. They'll be trading Bo Horvat for a, a guy who everybody knows can play in this league and might and might get a lot better, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't an inspiring thought having seen how few of those guys from the Benning era worked out to think that they're going to go down that road again. Uh, Lynn Vay still uh, very fresh on, uh, on Derek Pouliot. Yeah, <laughs> on many on many a mind uh, here in Vancouver when when Jim Rutherford said that. This insider is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. It is Ian McIntyre. Uh, so. Y- I mean, everybody else has had their say on it, um, but still waiting to hear on your general take on Jim Rutherford's uh, thoughts from yesterday. Well, as I've said before, I'm in the honesty business. So it's hypocritical. It would be hypocritical of me to criticize anybody for being honest and forthright. But it's rare to hear the things that we heard from a GM or a president of hockey operations that we heard yesterday. I think part of it was an attempt to, to assure uh, the fan base, their audience, their ticket buyers, that there has been a stark realization about the work that needs to be done. Uh, to me, the most memorable quote was the major, sur- major surgery, minor surgery one. Yeah. The funniest, the funniest quote was, I thought we were thinking. <laughs> That's very good. But also something that you don't expect to hear that kind of that kind of humor yeah from somebody in that position the rest of the stuff like Bo Horvat it was it was a little bit a little bit disappointing for those who want Bo to stay because I think there had been some some faint hope you know I, I had reported after whenever it was I think December when it came out that, uh, you know, the story that they'd exchanged offers and weren't close and the Canucks were now moving ahead with trade plans. And I had, I had talked to somebody in Bo's camp who said it's not over, that there's still a chance. But it sure seemed, from what Jim Rutherford said yesterday, that there's no chance. So, you know, that's a, I, I think we've all seen this ending coming with Bo Horvat getting traded from the only team he's ever played for. But I, I think it's still going to be sad to, to see him go and not not necessarily from a hockey perspective, but that too, you know, he's going to be a huge hole in, in their lineup, certainly short term, but just sad on a human level, you know, because he's been the captain. 
He's got a statesmanlike quality about him that allows him to speak on all kinds of issues, including, for instance, today, the, the death of Gino Ojek, mm-hmm. whom he never knew. I mean, probably he that's probably not true. He probably met Gino because Gino's been around the rink a lot. But, you know, is not really familiar with his career, but understands that this is a special player to the fans. This was, um, you know, an important player in the Canucks history. And so he can he can speak to that. And I think that's going to be missed. That side of Bo is going to be missed if, in fact, he's traded. And then the Boudreaux stuff is just kind of piling on. Like, yeah. I don't know how much one guy can take. But I said the other night, uh, I think it was on the postgame show after the Carolina win, that we're all assuming, well, first of all, we know that it it hasn't been, the treatment hasn't been fair for, for Bruce Boudreaux this season. But I think we're all assuming, boy, this guy can't just, can't wait to be done with this mess, just go home to Hershey and run his junior hockey team and play more golf. But, you know, Bruce Boudreaux may not get another NHL job, he clearly is a guy who loves his profession and you know has somehow kept his players engaged and motivated even with all the stuff going on and by stuff I don't mean all the losses just everything else you know he may well want to even though he knows he's a dead man walking he may well want to just coach as long as he can coach because he might not get another chance but the 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 tone of what what Bruce Boudreaux or sorry what uh, Jim Rutherford said about Bruce Boudreaux you know reiterated what we we all know that he's not going to be a coach certainly beyond this season who knows beyond this week but again to to come out and say that you're talking to other coaches but it doesn't mean you necessarily want to fire the one you have you know that's that's unusual that's unusual it, it's yeah, I, uh, it's can't miss viewing when Jim Rutherford does a press conference, but I do admire, and this isn't just, you know, a vapid media platitude, but I do admire that in this market with all the scrutiny and the pressure that he is willing to stand in there and take his cuts at whatever's thrown at him. You know, he doesn't, doesn't try and work the count and fool somebody with a walk. He's taken, he's, taking a swing at whatever's thrown at him. And again, since I'm in the the truth and honesty business, I admire that. Uh, People wanted to hear more about the plan. Uh, Well, they they got more of the plan yesterday. I just don't know if they truly liked a lot of what they heard. And when it comes to the coach, so one of the things, you know, okay, we could talk rebuild versus retool all day long, and uh, this market will continue to. IMAC, it's been a decade-long conversation. But... um, when it comes to the coach, a lot of you know, Rutherford's plan seemed to intimate, and a lot of what he and Alvin have talked about is getting a coach that can bring in a structure and bringing more of a team ethos into the Vancouver Canucks. Like that can fix a lot of the problems that we've seen here. I, I don't I don't know how much I, I necessarily buy that because ultimately talent is king to win in this in this league. Yeah, you're right, and and you need you need players at the top of your lineup who can who can win. But the Canucks certainly have players at the top of their lineup who should be talented enough to win. 
So I don't think this idea about structure, I don't think it's a, a panacea. I don't think it's suddenly going to make all the pain of the last three years or eight years, nine years go away if you have better structure. But it did strike me when I was watching uh, the game on Sunday with Carolina, whose structure under Rod Brindamore, I think a lot of people would argue is the best in the NHL. That system-wise, yeah, they've got some good players. Sebastian Ajo's a, a really good player. Tara Vinen, they've got some good defensemen. But they don't have they don't have superstars like some of the other top teams have superstars. But from top to bottom, they just come at you and they're disciplined and positionally sound and they're fast and they're conscientious. And on that team is Jalen Chatfield. Jalen Chatfield, who pushed Ethan Bear out of a job. Now, I, you know, I don't doubt for a second that Jalen Chatfield has continued to develop since he left Vancouver. But I would argue there's probably a whole bunch of teams where if the structure and the solidity of the team isn't what it is in Carolina, he's probably not looking so good as a third-pairing defenseman. But with, with the guys around him and the structure, and this is just one example, you could look at guys on their fourth line as well, their third line. Uh, the structure does help for sure. In my mind, it helps for sure. But you still need the talent at the top. I don't think the talent's the issue with this team. It is on it is on defense. Obviously, mm-hmm. they need a couple couple more guys, and those are hard to find. But when you most teams most nights when you see who the Canucks are playing, if you look at the other team's group of forwards and you look at the Canucks group of forwards, and certainly at the start of the year, if you looked at Thatcher Demko in goal versus whoever anybody else had in goal, and the fact the Canucks have a true number one defenseman in in Quinn Hughes. They've got a lot of talent there, but look at how little they've done with it. The structure will help. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that it's going to you know, make them a formidable team, but we've seen what the lack of structure has exacerbated with the Canucks this season. Yeah, and you know, on that note, you, know, you think about teams like uh, the Boston Bruins, um, uh, you know, Carolina is a really good example, uh, Tampa Bay. You know, a lot of players go to these teams – that have a structure, a good program in place. Obviously, the top end, the top core of the roster is set. And it seems like anybody they bring in seems to find the best version of themselves. Like, and I think that's that's kind of what the Canucks, that's the magic elixir Jim Rutherford kind of had for a couple of years in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. And he's, he's trying, to, trying to make that happen here in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah and Tampa's a good example because how many players go to that team and people think, oh, that he's not going to help them like Zach Bogosian. Come on. Yeah. Guy's so slow. He can't play for them. Uh, Corey Perry. Oh, you know, yeah, he's got some grit, but he's just too slow. He's not going to play. Even look at some of their, who their top players are like Kalorn is not yeah. a super, super fast guy. He's been one of their best players for a while on defense. You know, they have, they have one of the best guys in, in the world in, in Hedman, but they've got a couple of other guys who, when you see them in isolation, you think, well, there's nothing special, but they're, they're all, they're all part of, of a puzzle and the puzzle is complete. You know, there's no, there's no missing pieces. Yeah. I mean, Tampa, like every team would like to upgrade, I'm sure a piece here, a piece there, 
get somebody else, but you know, it just fits. Look at what they gave up for, for Hagel. And, and maybe years from now, people are going to look back. Maybe Chicago is going to be a good team with these two, two guys they got. But you know, when they made the trade for Hagel, people were astounded at how much they gave up, but they knew that he was a guy who was going to fit perfectly into their puzzle and be a good piece. And he has been. Uh, it's uh, Ian McIntyre here on uh, on Canuck Central. So, you know, the rebuild versus retool conversation comes up yet again. And, you know, I earlier I called it wanting the, the scorched earth rebuild where everybody gets traded is, is a bit of a defeatist mentality when you have Elias Pettersson and, and Quinn Hughes on the roster. Because, like, those are, those are the two franchise cornerstones that you should be able to, to build around and build a competitive team around. It's it's the mess that Jim Rutherford inherited and some he's added to that makes it a very confusing puzzle. And yeah. I, I think that takes us back to the, the Horvat discussion where it's almost by default now, especially with the major surgery comment. Like, here's Horvat, who's now being essentially is going to have to be used as the right. big trade piece to sort of set this team on a different path. Yeah, I, and I would say that has been probably the single biggest miscalculation personnel-wise that they made. There, there's lots of generalizations, like they thought the team was better than it was or would be, and it hasn't been. Uh, they miscalculated badly how difficult or challenging it would be to unravel the salary cap knots that they're in. But on an individual basis, the biggest mistake they made was prioritizing JT Miller and signing him first ahead of Bo Horvat, who would have been the less expensive player to sign. And at that time, far less expensive player to sign. And now because they've got JT Miller, who's, who's had a mixed season. I don't think his season is as terrible as some make it out to be, but the, the, the biggest, the biggest step back in his season is that he's playing on the wing most nights. Because the only way, the only way that contract works for him, or for the Canucks at least, it's going to work for him no matter what, but the only way it works for the Canucks is if he's actually their first-line center. Because now you're going to trade both. So if, if JT Miller is a winger, who the heck's your second-line center? Mm-hmm. Like you've been, They've been trying forever to, to have three centers, which it looked like they finally had when Miller was a center, but now they could end up with one if Miller's going to play the wing and Pedersen's the center and Bo is gone. So that to me was the biggest miscalculation that said, uh, it's not, I know there were some people uh, who wouldn't have signed JT Miller at his age at any price. And, and I get that. Like it's a, it's a sound argument. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I get the argument that at 29, why are you, why are you signing a guy long-term no matter what the money is? But it's easy to forget now because so much has happened. He's coming off a 99 point season had been a point per game player. Not only had he outplayed Bo Horvat over the previous three years, he'd outplayed Ilias Pettersson over the three years. And people may not want to believe that, but go back and look at the the statistics. Mm-hmm. Remember how much Pedersen struggled in the first half of last year. JT Miller truly was their best player. So in some respects, I can see why they thought this was a guy they had to have, but I don't 
think I don't think they thought it well enough. I think they thought that Bo Horvat is like Johnny Canuck. He's the team captain. This is the only place he's played. He'll want to play here. They'll find a way to keep him at a fairly bargain number. And instead, the opposite has happened. I think I think how they so prioritized Miller and came in very low on Horvat at the start. I think that that really motivated Bo to to have the kind of season that he's having to show them how good he was. And now not only has he shown them how good he is, he's shown the rest of the National Hockey League. So now if he becomes a UFA, he's an $8 million guy instead of a $6 million guy. And the Canucks, they can't do that. Uh, on that part, I think I think most of us would agree you can't have two of these guys, and Bo's a couple of years younger than Miller, but you can't have two guys getting near their 30s that you signed for seven or eight years at $8 million apiece. It, I know a lot of people would rather have Bo than, than have Miller, but you can only have one, and this is the corner that they painted themselves into. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, man, I've got a challenge here, as uh, Tim Rutherford said. Uh, all yeah. right. Uh, iMac, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, it's quite a difference when Rutherford talks and when Patrick Alvine talks. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> one says absolutely nothing. The other one is just uh, giving us all the ammo to use for a whole week. It's great. Yeah. Well, it's great for great for sports radio and great for sports writing. Absolutely. Thanks, iMac. See you, Dan. Uh, there is one of the best in the business, Ian McIntyre. This insider was a presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. You are listening to Canuck Central.